Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one-hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now, I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason you can't as well. The cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day, so if you have a job, or if you have a business, or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're going to have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? Now... We're also offering a 15-minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesstocktrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there, guys. Talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back everybody. Thanks for joining us again here today. We've got another great show lined up as usual. Um, here with us again, as usual, is Sandy McKay. How you doing, Sandy? Hey Rob, uh, I'm amazing. How about you? Excellent. I couldn't be better. My head's a little sunburned but uh, and peeling. So that's kind of embarrassing when I go out. But other than that, uh, really good. Really good. Hey, that's the uh, perks of... Uh... You know, living in a, a nice new climate, hot climate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So everyone listening should go over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There they can listen to all of our episodes that we've done in the past. They can connect with our past guests and, uh, and they can get our free gift. Yeah, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate, which uh, you, you can pick up when you join our email list there. And um, you'll also get access to all of our, uh, our, uh, our shows that we host. Um, you'll 
get notified that they're that they're out there and you can go check them out also any upcoming events we got coming you will be notified so you never miss out so go do that get your free gift and uh join in on all the fun yeah we've been doing some pretty cool uh virtual peterborough property tours lately and uh and they're fun you know not as good as being in person but uh it's the the next best thing i guess to it Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because i think um with them there is some differences like we used to have to try to cram everybody into a space and point things out and this way it's uh you know, at certain points in the video, we can stop, we can talk about what we're seeing and everyone gets the same perspective instead of somebody being at the back of a crowd, maybe. So not to take away from that, I mean, just the uh, the, um, uh, the the community that I guess can get built from a, an actual live tour is not going to be beat by a virtual tour. But like I said, it's the next best thing, right? So you'll learn about those if you uh, sign up to our group too. And Sandy... I'm not sure if you're doing tours, but you're you're doing uh, informational um, seminars and things like that, right? We've got some new stuff coming. We're working on so uh, in the end here of 2021 and into the next next year, we'll probably have some more um, more events like that happening. Uh, we're just kind of finalizing some uh, things around that. So another reason to go check it out, so you can uh, hear about all that, and uh, as we launch some new stuff coming in the in the next couple months. Currently not doing much, but we'll, we'll come back with some, some new fresh uh, content of some exciting events soon. And I will just say, since we are in Costa Rica right now, um, anyone who's interested in, in that investing here, reach out to me. Cause um, I mean, there's been so many people lately, I would say, I mean, at least five people in the last five days saying they're seriously considering something so they can get away for a little while um, in this area. So if you're interested in something like that, reach out to me and, and we'll have a conversation. I'll tell you what's going on here and, uh, and all the ins and outs of owning property in this area. It's exciting. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend people to do that because uh, there's all sorts of reasons to maybe spend some more time out of, out of uh, Ontario or BC or wherever you're living. Costa Rica is an awesome spot. Yeah, it's a different experience here right now for sure. So um sandy you just got back from a little vacation uh yeah figured out a way to travel around we were in hawaii until two days ago um so i just got back from there and we were in uh, southern california for a bit too on the way out um yeah good time to be away uh good time of year i think typically a little slower coming into just before school starts up again and all that sort of stuff so um when you have no kids it kind of we get an easy, easy uh, opportunity to take away and go enjoy some time. And uh, it was awesome. It was good. Yeah. You're saying you didn't really look at, uh, at properties too much in Hawaii, but they are very expensive. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Like Southern California, I, I used to think it was expensive when I'd been there in the past going there this time, I was like, man, it is cheap. I can't believe how it's not cheap really, but it's cheap compared to Toronto or anywhere in the GTA. And when there's such a big surge of pricing here, all of a sudden that area, certainly like San Diego area does not seem very expensive, which is surprising because it's an amazing place to live, uh, at least weather wise and, and other reasons why it's super expensive still. Um, yeah. but there's not, there's not much, there's not much for property there either. Right. So it's pretty limited and supply is really low. So, and demand rightfully so is really high and uh but another a, a cool place to own some vacation property you can do some cool things there i think costa rica your money's going to go a little farther 
Yeah, could do. I mean, we've got the, the pricing here is still. I, I think the entry uh, into this market is definitely a little more doable. But you know, something to consider here is the lending is the lending options are very minimal. Yeah. So that's that's another thing that uh, people ask about. And you know, I'm working with some uh, some real estate uh, brokers, um, sorry, mortgage brokers, to try and figure out something for this area, but. It's it's tricky. It's tricky to put it together. I think seller financing is still the best option. Mm. But um, I've never been to Southern California. I'd like to check it out. California anywhere, really. I'd like to check it out someday. It's kind of on the uh, wish list. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Beautiful good weather. We had, we, had, we had bad weather there for, for considering the area. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, 21 degrees Celsius and not just not that sunny, which is pretty much as cold as it gets there. Yeah, that's not what you're expecting, I'm sure. Yeah, but <laughs> made the best great of spot. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got some Ontario weather while you were there. You brought it with you. Yeah, well, no, because we've been getting rain every day in Ontario. <laughs> so we didn't get rain. Okay, well, uh, what else? It wouldn't would be a Canadian got? show without talking about some weather, right? Yeah, we got to do that. <laughs> um, uh, as well, people should go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review there. You know, it helps us get out there and get exposed um, to more audience, to uh, to a wider group of people who are looking for this kind of information. And there's lots of people looking for, especially now, a way to diversify. Maybe they're in stocks, um, but a tangible uh, um, investment opportunity, you know, and I think that this is one of the best. I mean, I, I certainly don't think I'd be anywhere near where I am without it. I know we wouldn't have this show, so yeah. that's something. Um, but anyway, uh, go over, leave us a rating or review if you haven't done that on iTunes. And, uh, and, and five stars, you know, if you think we deserve it. That always helps. Anything else? That's about it. I think let's get into our, uh, our guest here. Well, I'm very excited to talk to our next guest here today, um, Waylon McGill. He's here to talk to us about why he chose real estate, uh, why he chose to build a real estate business instead of just being a passive investor. So welcome. Awesome. Welcome, uh, Waylon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm excited about the topic because a lot of people do talk about passive and, and there's some obviously reasons to be attracted to that and great reasons to do it that way. There's also a lot of excitement in growing a real business and running it like more of a business, right? Which, which I'm sure we'll get into more here. Um, quick, quick bio and background on you, Will. And uh, you grew up in Newmarket, Ontario, lived in Toronto, downtown Toronto since 2008 and uh, started investing in real estate with your girlfriend, now wife, uh, just a few years ago. And after purchasing three properties started learning a lot more about wholesaling and, uh, and that process of funding purchases. So you've done uh, a bunch of that as well and wholesale 30, 30 properties and added 16 units to your portfolio in just would be under three years still. Right. So pretty, pretty impressive numbers there. It's exciting. So we're looking forward to learning how you did this and, uh, and yeah, welcome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's actually uh, November will be the two year anniversary of when I closed on the first property Two years. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty crazy how fast things can happen when you really, you know, focus on, on what you're doing and, you know, put time in every day. Okay. Well, let's talk about how you got started then, because it sounds to me like you're like shot out of a cannon right out of the gate um, when you started into this, but was it more um, like, are you considering the, 
anniversary of the two years as when you started taking action. Maybe you had learned something before that. You know, yeah, I don't absolutely. know. So, let's... so, yeah, it was probably like June or July two years ago. So just over two years when I, I was at a, I think a cocktail party or whatever. Uh, and I was talking to a friend and he mentioned how um, he bought a couple properties in the last couple of years. And it kind of blew my mind that someone was buying multiple properties in just a few years. Um, I knew he had a good job, but like nothing, you know, that's going to allow you to save for a down payment every year. Uh, and so I just kind of started asking questions about it. And from there, uh, that kind of started my journey where I was like, well, if, if he can do it, there's not any reason why I can't do it either. And I think that's kind of been a big driver of everything I've done is just seeing people who've done more and kind of saying like, well, you know, why not me? But I started basically just like aggressively listening to podcasts. Uh, your guys was absolutely one of them. So, um, it was, you know, a handful of different podcasts I was listening to probably spending two to three hours a day on podcasts. Um, you almost feel like, you know, the different investors in the investor community when you do that, because you're just like, you've heard them in detail, talk about the strategy strategies that they're using. Um, I think a lot of people early on want to reach out to investors and ask them questions. And it's just like, you're kind of wasting people's time. If you haven't put your time in first, listening to podcasts, reading blogs and things like that. So I just went super aggressive at the education piece. I went out to uh, networking events, um, the right club. I went actually Rob on your property tour, one of those in Peterborough, the live ones. Um, that was actually really good because I realized on that tour, when I was talking to other investors that despite the fact that I had never bought anything yet, um, that I did know a lot. Like people, when people were asking questions, I knew the answers. And it was just because I'd listened to other people who know more on podcasts. So that gave me a lot of confidence to actually be like, no, we need to go buy something. And, and at the time it was my, my fiance. Um, she had a first time home buyer credit that she was able to use. And so, you know, I was just pitching hard for her to buy uh, something before we got married. Um, and that's kind of how like the action started. So it was like talking to her into buying that first property because I was kind of tapped out. You know, I was saying for a wedding, a ring. I just bought my primary residence a year and a half before. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got started. And then from there, it was just trying to be aggressive and make moves as quickly as possible. So I think um, a week after we closed on that, we got married, I think five days later. Uh, and then two days after that, we were in a hotel and a friend who I'd been talking to a lot about real estate sent me a wholesale deal and was like, Hey, are you interested in this? And I, I asked my wife very nicely if it was also my birthday, <laughs> if, if I could buy this other property. Uh, and she said yes, uh, in a moment of weakness. And, uh, so we bought that and that was a duplex conversion, uh, that we did, uh, in Brantford. So from there, it's just kind of been trying to take action as quickly as possible. And, and a lot of it's just like impatience. Um, it just, everything feels like it's happening really slow. Uh, and, you know, even if you're buying, like say someone builds a 20 property portfolio in, in 10 years, you know, you'd say that's pretty amazing, right? 10 years, you got 20 properties. Um, but that's still only buying a property every six months. Like you're closing one out of every one property of six months. How many days are you not closing on properties? Right. So it's still, for me, it just, everything felt slow. Um, so pretty quickly after that, I think a few months after we, we did the refinance. So we probably refinanced that duplex about four months after purchasing. And then I immediately rolled that money into a cottage. Um, and we used that as a rental. So that was like three properties in the first six months or something like that. Um, 
And then I was just completely out of money. I didn't, you know, I didn't have refinance money anymore. Uh, and that's kind of what made me think, okay, if I want to keep buying at this pace, I need to find a way to make a lot of extra money in real estate. Well, I'm, I want to, I guess, dial it back a little bit, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we're talking about, we're talking about where, um, the education piece, like in that, uh, sprang from that party that you were at, I guess. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Like you hadn't really thought about real estate before that or no? Yeah, never. I just didn't know anybody who was a real estate investor. And like, you know, I come, my parents are like a nurse and a teacher. So it's, you know, it's pensions and things like that. They're not, uh, you know, and they were always, you know, encouraging me, like, you should always have some savings. You should have several months slush fund and all that stuff. And I completely ignored all that advice uh, until I was in my, you know, early to mid thirties is when I started thinking like, I better figure out a plan here of how I'm going to have a nice retirement. Cause I like living well. Uh, and, um, you know, the more I learned, the more it became clear that like real estate was a way that regular people can, can become very wealthy versus, you know, you know, the stock market, if you don't have a bunch of money, you can't, you know, 10 25% return on no money is still no money. Right. So, uh, real estate, I think is where people who, just work hard uh, and get creative and network can find ways to, to become pretty wealthy. Absolutely. And I think you touched on it already, but what is some of the big challenges that you uh, face starting out? Yeah. So being impatient was definitely one, like realizing that like sometimes you're building up capacity, right? So, you know, you kind of, we want success to just kind of be this like nice curve up and to the right. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, you make a bunch of moves and then it's, you've got to build up capacity, whether that's knowledge, whether that's the people that you know, what, you know, could be finding private lenders. Like you've got to, you've got to figure out a bunch of stuff in order to take those next steps. And so for me, one of the struggles was just realizing that even though I wasn't buying a property this month and I probably wasn't going to buy one next month, that all of the daily uh, knowledge and networking and everything else was actually building up that capacity. So that was a big part of it early on. Um, another piece is just how do you like, you know, I got married and part of being married is not just making decisions on your own. So it was like, how do you, how do you bring some along, someone along on that journey and, and get the support of a partner? Right. Because not everybody has the same, uh, risk, uh, appetite. Right. And I think that I, I have a pretty large appetite for risk. I don't mind it. I think that generally that's where all the rewards come from. And, and a lot of people overestimate the risks of doing stuff and they underestimate the risks of doing nothing. So that was definitely a challenge. I think early on, I was like, how am I going to get my wife to be on board with the, the types of moves I want to make? Um, and then just a specific one from a property was, you know, we bought this duplex conversion property off a wholesaler and I was on my honeymoon when we, we actually got a contractor in and we never sent somebody in. We sent in a property manager to check out the property, uh, which was a big learning, like send a contractor. Because uh, we found out that all the electrical was knob and tube, and the first quote that we got from an electrician was over thirty thousand dollars to remediate that, and that was like a moment of panic where I was like, "Oh my god! Like, I made a huge mistake, and this deal is going to be terrible." Um, also, my wife's not going to be happy because, <laughs> as I said, I kind of took advantage in the moment of when I asked her to buy that. So, um, just kind of not freaking out about that was a really important thing. And, um, fortunately we were, we got a few quotes in, we got a contractor who was going to do it for about $10,000. So that was a lot more manageable, but it was like a really high stress situation and made me think twice about 
you know, how, how into real estate I wanted to get. Um, but it kind of all worked out like the duplex conversion worked out. Um, we got, you know, most of our money back. I think we left $26,000 in on a $500,000 appraisal, but in the moment it was, it was very scary. You know, I didn't have a ton of funds. I also bought it entirely with lines of credit. Um, I didn't have, as I said, like I wasn't cash uh, rich at the time. I had a lot of big expenses. So my down payment came from a line of credit. All my renovation budget was going to come from lines of credit. So early on, one of the challenges were just, it's, it's kind of risky. Like if you don't have a bunch of money, but you want to make moves, you actually, you've got to take on some risk, which is doing projects with other people's money that you've got to pay back regardless of how things go. I, I, I hear you on the, the spousal one. We hear that a lot in different, different, you know, not everyone's on the same, uh, same <laughs> page or not everyone has the same risk tolerance, all, all the different points you mentioned, right? It's hard to, hard to make sure you're, you're still, you know, obviously you have a, a relationship there to upkeep versus business and how, how you all kind of marry those together is always interesting to hear about. Um, but it uh, certainly seems, seems like you got, got her on the same page after all that, uh, hopefully. And um, it, you know, money is a big, big conversation in relationships and obviously relationships with partners in business. Um, always a big one. When you hear that $30,000 expense come up out of nowhere sort of thing, what were, what were your next steps coming from that? Like, how did you overcome, like at the start, I've had similar experience too at the beginning, early on where you hear about these 30 grand is a huge expense early on. Typically, if you haven't, haven't dealt with that before. Yeah, absolutely. What were your next steps when you heard that? So, um, I think at that point I just started reaching out to different contracting electricians. Like we were on our honeymoon, I was in Cozumel, uh, and, uh, it was just like making calls from there, but like it, it ruined a 24 hour period for sure. Like I was, it was panic. Cause again, it was all lines of credit and stuff. So it's not like I, I had just money or, you know, I could just refinance this other property or pull out a HELOC. There was like no additional money sources. Um, so it was just like, try to calm down and more like it was like, I kind of freaking out because I'm like, Oh, I like my, my wife didn't really want to do this. And I talked her into it. And now like I'm losing the shirt off my back. So it was really just, all you can do is, is call people, you know, talk to people, see if there's somebody else who can, who can get in and check out for you. Like, so we got a few different electricians in um, and we got a more favorable quote and we just went ahead with that. Uh, the wholesaler um, did give us a bit of a reduction uh, on the property uh, it wasn't huge. Um, it was nice. You know, it was a nice gesture on their part because they weren't aware of it. Um, but really you just kind of got to plod through like when stuff like that comes up, like you can't really change it. You've just got to, you've just got to like, you know, move forward. So we did that and the deal worked out amazingly. Right. I think that one of the great things about real estate is it's very forgiving. You know, what looks like an okay deal this year will probably look like an amazing deal in three years. Um, the odds of you kind of going to zero on a project, like you could, if you're in the wrong stock or something like that, um, uh, is pretty low. So it was just kind of realizing like, okay, maybe we won't get the refinance we want. Maybe we'll leave more money in the property, um, than we wanted to, but we'll, at the end, we'll still be okay. And in two or three years, uh, this will still look like a great deal. And I just heard people say that on podcasts. And I think that that was really what helped me, um, stay calm throughout it was after that first 24 hours was this is going to look like a great deal in three years. Like it looks kind of crappy now, but it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's good to hear that in a way. Cause it's, 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 you know, it, it, we talk to a lot of people, it's all, you know, 
happy go and easy stuff going on. There's there's a lot of challenges early on. I find more so because every every little challenge is a huge thing early on. Um, so you know, being on your honeymoon, I I couldn't imagine that the, the conversations having, you know, not even being able to be local or go see what's going on, just be, you know, phone calls away and having to sort all that out would be a, a fun time. Um, but you learn a lot through those, right? That, those are all moments to to learn and grow. And uh, the next time that happens, it's a lot less scary for sure. Yeah, I've, like we had some issues come up on a flip we're doing now, uh, and you know, unfortunately it's kind of a lesson I've had to learn in two different ways, but, uh, I bought this property when I was in Mexico and we had a contractor check it out, which I learned for the first time. Don't get a property manager. You need a contractor to get an, a realistic quote, but we didn't send a realtor, uh, with a seat. Like what I learned is like, we should be giving a checklist to a realtor. Like if we're not going to go see a property that we're buying, which is frequently, um, we can't just say, Hey, realtor, check out this property. And, you know, tell me if you think it's good or whatever, like, give me some details on, you know, what you think we can do with it. What's the, like, what's the land? Like, you know, is it good? Is it a good property and all these other things? Uh, because we bought another property and it's, it's not going to be a great flip because there's some stuff that, that we didn't do enough due diligence on. And, and that's one of the things where if you want to move fast, you are occasionally going to break stuff. And, um, it's not a bit as big a deal. If you've got some successes under your belt, you've got some money in the bank, you've got some access to capital and things like that. So it's a lot easier now, but like we're, I'm still making mistakes. Um, none of them are irreparable, um, but I still do. And so it's, it's great in that way that you're, you're consistently learning. So it keeps it exciting. Actually, that's a great point with working with realtors. You know, I know Rob and I both are realtors. We, it's on us in a way to help you as an investor, come up with those questions that you, sh- you sh- we should have answered. And that way it helps us do our job a lot easier, but great. There's nothing better than talking with an investor and then having a really easy to follow list of, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. This is what I need help with. You know, go do your thing and help us find this. Like that's a much better uh, client for us to work with and much easier to work with all around versus, Hey, I'm just looking for a duplex. I don't know if it, I just want to make money on a duplex. Like that's very vague, right. In terms of, um, the scope and it's a lot di- more difficult to find the right, you end up wasting a lot of each other's time finding out what that property could look like. Cause there's so many variations of it, but anyways, the more detailed you can get on that, the better and easier for everyone to take action. I think you made a really good point there in saying that just because you had heard other people uh, talk about, you know, these, these, these catastrophic <laughs> uh, reno things that have happened to them, Uh, in the past, before it happened to you, it kind of gave you a perspective on, okay, they seem to have gotten through it and they kept going because I believe that the stories that you hear of the people that have quit after something like that, which there's probably many, right. Um, would, would be because they haven't had that kind of community or nowhere to gain a perspective on it. Right. Yeah, totally. I think immersing yourself in the real estate community is so important. And like, would most of the success I've had would be a result of that in one way or another, whether it's, you know, partnering up with someone um, through the community uh, to start a business or, you know, getting networked with the right mortgage brokers that can get you 100% loan to value on your purchases, like all the things kind of came out of networking. um, And the way that I was able to bring value networking early on that I guess people would talk to me, maybe they wouldn't have talked to as many investors that were as junior was because I just listened to like every podcast episode I possibly could. Um, 
maybe I didn't know something from experience, but I could say, oh, this investor uh, who they were aware of on this podcast, they said this, right? So I was still able to add value to conversations just from other people's experience that I was kind of like co-opting as my own, as my own knowledge. Um, but that was super helpful. Uh, those relationships kind of have been everything. Um, so I would say to people like really immerse yourself in the community. Also, if you're just surrounded by people who are doing amazing stuff, you're going to realize that like not everybody who has a hundred properties is a genius. Um, and not everybody who owns a hundred properties is working a hundred hours a week. Um, a lot of it is just devoting consistent, like consistent time every day or five days a week to the goals and to the right behaviors that tend to get results. Networking, I think is something that, you know, we could probably put a thousands of dollars per hour return on investment for every hour I've spent, uh, networking. But, um, that was really inspiring early on is like talking to people and, uh, and being like, oh, it's just a regular person. Like they don't um, make, I'm sure they are smart, right? But like, they, they, don't, they don't have to be a genius. And it was like, wow, you can, everyday people can become wealthy through real estate. It's just most people don't make that first move. They never, they never kind of get off the couch and take action. Um, but if everybody around you is, odds are you'll start taking action too. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, same with any like celebrity, right? In life, you just, you, people put them on a, bit too much of a pedestal at times and you, you forget that they're just humans at the end of the day um I, that was one of my big ahas early early on too is that it, like this, everyone who owns 100 plus stores like you said is not necessarily a genius um sometimes they're not very bright at all actually but they've taken action and and, and become maybe a little smarter in that space over time but they've mostly just taken action that's that's the one thing that almost basically all those people have in common they've they've taken action um, yeah, and, and gone through some tough times probably and, and just kept going. Yeah, I think that's 100%. It's just like, really, it's just how much action you take will will be reflected in, in what you build. And just like I said, like two properties a year for 10 years is a 20 property portfolio. That's that's a very nice portfolio. That doesn't mean that you have to spend all day every day on real estate. Um, you probably have to do it early on in terms of getting your education, hitting that critical mass where you know what you're doing, where people are going to lend you money and things like that. Um, but once you've hit that point, I don't think it needs to be like an all day, everyday thing, but it's amazing what, you know, consistent action over a significant period of time can turn into. So what type of properties are you investing in now? So I'm kind of doing a bunch of everything. I know everybody like early on when I was getting into it, everybody's like pick something and specialize. But uh, I think that the, the opportunity to pick something and specialize is kind of past, right? Like there's just not you know, five years ago, there'd be a bunch of duplex conversion properties on the Hamilton mountain or wherever else that you could go see on the MLS that would make great duplex conversions. I think if you're too specific in your requirements now, you're going to find yourself just not really buying anything. Uh, and when you're not buying, you're also not gaining experience. So um, I've been really flexible in terms of what I will buy as long as the numbers work. Um, so, you know, I bought, uh, turnkey triplex uh, with a boarding house in it. I bought, you know, done a duplex conversion, cottage rental. Uh, this year we've picked up 16 units so far uh, with primarily um, small multifamily, like a six unit, an eight unit. Um, going forward, like next year, we want to kind of live more in that space of, of small to medium sized multifamily. Um, and I'm doing that with my business partner, Austin Ye. So we run a wholesaling business together and we do a lot of acquisitions together. And a lot of it's just kind of been, here's a great deal and nobody seems to see the potential in it or want it. Uh, so we'll just close on it ourselves, you know, renovate, refinance. So we've got, you know, 
renovation just started actually yesterday uh, on a on a sixplex. So we got it entirely vacant, and uh, we're going to be we got contractors who are doing a flip for us in Hamilton, basically living in Sudbury for a few weeks. They're going to renovate one unit. We'll convert that into an Airbnb. They're going to live there and uh, renovate the rest of the units. So that's kind of where we want to go is buying more of that stuff. So we're going to be looking to take on more JV relationships. Typically, we just want private money. You know, we'd rather pay high interest rates and, and keep 100% of the property. Um, but I think to scale more aggressively next year, if we want to pick up like 100 units, um, that's probably easier to do some of that with JV partnerships. So that's kind of the move going forward. And then just cherry picking uh, flips and things like that in the meantime. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah. sorry, I was just going to say doing a lot of different stuff. It just keeps things exciting. Like for me, the thrill as much of anything is just learning how to do something, doing it and having it work. Uh, you know, there's like a nice dopamine hit on that. So um, I really like to just learn about something and then be like, okay, like, let's just, let's just do it um, and figure it out as we go. What's it mean? Yeah, to you, go ahead. Sandy. What's it mean to be building like, you know, all the different things you're doing there, you're building a business versus just buying something and letting it ride for 20 years. You're, you're building a real business in this. That's going to be, I assume more scalable and, you know, growing a, it's growing a business versus being very passive. What's the, what's the difference in that? And why did you go down that route versus um, kind of the more traditional methods of investing yeah. in real estate? So I think a lot of it is just like changes in the market and, and rents and things like that and cash flow. Like when I started, I was like, oh, I just want to build like $50,000 a month in cash flow and then I'll retire and, and live a great life. And then, you know, and I was like I said, I was listening to a ton of podcasts. The problem is those podcasts were from two years ago and three years ago uh, and from when I started when people were cash flowing a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars on duplexes and triplexes. Now it's like, you know, maybe you're cash flowing five hundred dollars. So how realistic is it that I'm going to burr a hundred duplexes to get that fifty thousand dollars cash flow? So it's kind of realizing that cash flow was was drying up you know, that appreciation was happening to the point that the cash flow was becoming less relevant. So it's like, I just think it's not very realistic for most people to, to live off cash flow. If you want it, like, I want to live in downtown Toronto. I want to have a house in downtown Toronto. I want to have a nice cottage in Muskoka. I'd love to have a rent, like a vacation property in Tulum or, or Costa Rica or something like that. So that's not going to be cheap. And it's probably not going to, I'm probably not going to get there through uh, rental income alone. So it was like, how can I one, buy more properties because I've got more active income. But two, just a recognition that the quality of life that I want or the type of life I want is probably never going to get paid for with cash flow, um, at least not in the meantime, unless I build a business that helps me scale how quickly I can buy. Yeah, that sounds good, man. That sounds good. Sorry, I'm distracted here because my computer is going to die on me. So I was just getting my son <laughs> to bring me a charger. That and the, like this this pool started up here and it was making a bunch of noise i was gonna say i was gonna say previous you know everyone who's, who's not watching us we're still just listening they gotta come check out us live some of these shows to see see your nice backyard watch you run around at times during the show and uh, i don't know what you're doing there but the, it was a nice we had a nice view of the pool there for a bit my apologies instead of my head yeah I can I can move back out of the way if you want. Just and I think uh, maybe on the edit you guys could throw in some Benny Hill music as Rob runs around the pool uh, fixing shit back there. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I just had to turn it off because it got really loud. 
But uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is this is um, obviously really interesting. And one of the things that I think that sort of Sandy and I forget to do after we talk about the big challenges that people have is talk about some of the really big successes that they've had as well. So maybe you can tell us about some recent successes, something that stands out to you. Yeah, so um, I actually just sold my first flip. So uh, Rob is actually the agent on the flip. Uh, after I went on the property tour, I just kind of stayed in touch with uh, Rob. And he was he was always just like super helpful if I sent him a request and asked for like comps or something like that. Uh, he would help me out. So I ended up buying uh, a property. It was off a of Google ad I placed. Uh, and I bought this really distressed property. Uh, it was a lot more distressed than I thought at first. Actually, we found out that it was just like the walls were rotted out. Uh, the ceiling was rotted out. Uh, it'd been vacant for two years. So um, I was expecting to go in and do like three months, $50,000 flip. It ended up taking about seven months um, and $150,000. Um, but I was really happy with every decision I was making as I was making them. And as I, you know, did some elements of the house nicer, it became clear that I couldn't just leave this other element. I had to redo all of that. Um, but we ended up Basically, uh, I staged it and then we, we, we put it up and eight days later we held offers and I think we got seven offers, including one for 130 over asking. Um, so that was amazing. So I think profit margin there on that deal was around 180, $190,000. Um, I recognize that that's not going to be every flip, but I do think that there's some elements of, of the model and the property type that were um, that are repeatable. And so that's definitely something I'm going to look to do is pick up, uh, properties that are a similar profile to that. Um, and I just think that in sort of these semi-rural markets, I don't, I don't think many people are doing really nice flips and really nice flips don't necessarily have to cost that much more money. Some of it's just design choices. Um, you know, I think a lot of flippers are kind of, you know, they're painting walls beige. Nobody wants a beige wall, like, and nobody has for a very long time, but you know, it's a lot of, it's just like contractors or, or, or things like that, where they, you know, they can do the work a bit cheaper, but they don't necessarily have an eye for design. So I think if you can do really nice properties in semi-rural areas that there's, there's a lot of people out there that want something like that. And there's just nothing that comes to market that really fits that description. It's a good point. I agree with that, especially, uh, especially now, right. Especially during COVID times and, and, and probably for the, for the next, probably indefinitely. Um, that's a great market to look at. I agree. Semi-rural yeah, where there's just not as much action. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I agree too. I can't find, I can't find much out there like that. Uh, you know, you're the only one that stands out in those markets. You're going to, you're going to get a premium. Yeah. I think yeah, people are looking for a little more land. Sorry. A little more, little more um, inclusion, you know, and, uh, just a little more breathing room. Right. So, that was a, that's an interesting idea. And I think that you're right. The other thing that um, I just wanted to point out is that it took me quite a while to realize what you've realized just in the one flip is that um, I used to have the mentality of whatever I can get away with not fixing, let's make sure that I do that. Right. But I think it's really important, especially, you know, it's nice to have a nice product. If you're going to sell it, that's, that's no one would dispute that fact, but if you're going to keep something and refinance it, um, as soon as you've, as soon as you've done that, really, if you haven't done the right hairs and the right renovations, as soon as things come up to, uh, start getting fixed and repaired, those capital expenses now, you know, you can't roll them into the refi anymore. So, um, it's one of the things that I think is interesting to point out is just that 
you know, if you can get stuff taken care of now in before the initial refi, that's always the best time to get it done. And it makes it prettier. It makes it more rentable if you're keeping it. So there's all, all kinds of benefits to doing that. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff that you see out there is people kind of promoting this, like what you can get away with. Um, and I think that's fine. And it like depends on your model, but I think that like right now, there's a shortage of great deals, right? For me, I view, and even like my job or my, not my job, I have a job. My, my business is to find great deals and it's harder to find great deals now than it was six months ago. It's way harder to find great deals than it was a year ago. So if you've got a bottleneck at the deal finding stage, and I think almost every investor does, you want to try to squeeze as much value out of each deal as possible. So to go in and be like, Hey, we're just going to do, you know, 50 flips a year with $40,000 profit margin per flip. Um, it's going to be really tough for you to find 50 great deals. What if you just did 15 or 20 deals, but you, you know, instead of getting 40 or $50,000 profits, you were getting, you know, 70 or 80, right? It's also a lot less work to manage half as many flips. So I think that people kind of underestimate the benefit or, or the value that you can get with really good design. It doesn't cost that much more money. Uh, you know, a nicer color of luxury vinyl plank than like some of this gray stuff that people are using doesn't cost significantly more money, but your finished product looks a lot better. Uh, and if you do everything, the buyer feels like they don't have to buy anything when they show up. There's nothing for them to fix, right? And think for them, they can't roll that into a mortgage either, all right? Some can, they need to purchase plus improvements, but I don't think it's very well known. So someone might have 80,000 or $100,000 for a down payment, but they don't have 40,000 to do the stuff that you forgot to do. They could have paid 540 instead of 500 if you just spent the extra money and fix that stuff for them. I agree. I find lighting is a really easy one that most people skip over. Like just a, a little bit higher quality lighting fixtures is a, is a, the appearance is like, it's like jewelry for the house almost, right? It's right. like, what, why put on this little rubber band thing that I got on versus like a nice, you know, whatever you want to call it. A nice, <laughs> yeah. a nice watch. That's uh whatever, something a little more higher end. You don't have to spend thousands more, but it's a hundred. Well, I don't know. I think you'd have to probably spend thousands more to get something nicer than that rubber band there. But I understand <laughs> your, I understand your point. Um, yeah. Like when people talk about wow factors, they mostly talk about kitchens and bathrooms. Right. But lighting is an important one. You know, if you can, if you can get people to wow, when they walk into a dining room, that's sort of completely different than, than, you know, what most people might say. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think too, the other thing is just to consider is just, in the quality of finishes, like so much of your cost is going to be the labor, the incremental cost of nice lighting in your kitchen versus super basic lighting might be $300, right? But you could have like some state pendants that make a statement over your island for a total of five or $600 versus a piece of crap that's $150 and they both cost the same amount of money to install. So like, I think the return on that is really high, but again, it's one of those areas where people are just they're more concerned about cost than they are about value and profit. All right. So you talked about it. Well, actually I have, uh, I'm going to ask you where your business is going in the future, because I know that's exciting. You've kind of touched on it, but first I want to talk about since, since we were saying it's difficult to find the deals, how do you find them? Then? We spend a ton of money to find deals. Like, you know, we have a five figure monthly marketing budget. Uh, and that's through, and, you know, if you, we include bird dogs, it's, it's like probably, you know, fees that we're paying to people who bring us deals. We're probably, you know, well over that. Uh, but basically we do a combination of, we do mail, we do, uh, Google ads, we do ads on Kijiji, 
we do um, referrals. Um, we kind of do everything. Uh, and then as you build a brand, people will bring you deals. You know, and part of it is we work with a lot of junior wholesalers who are just kind of getting into the business. Um, and one of the things that, that we also do frequently is like, if we get a bird dog deal and it doesn't move to our buyers list, you know, there's a good chance that we'll just buy it ourselves. So uh, we give a pretty favorable split to the, to the junior wholesalers in terms of um, the profits that they get from the deal. Uh, we're typically able to get them a bigger profit that they could get if they could sell it themselves, even if they could sell it themselves, which right now is tough. Investors are very uh, cautious these days. I think that everybody saw the appreciation. Everybody's a bit scared about what might happen next. So people's buying requirements seem to have really tightened up. So uh, that's something that we're really focused on is um, building a network of people who are out there searching for deals for us all the time uh, and they get paid very well for it. And then we've got four full-time wholesalers working for us now as well. So we're sending out tons of mail for them again, you know, the, the website stuff. So just like lots of different channels. I think that everybody, when they get started, they, they want to know what works. Everything works, right? Everything works. Everything's just really hard. So um, I think if you want to start wholesaling now versus a year ago, when I started, it's way harder to get started. You're going to probably spend three times as much to get a deal as you would have spent a year ago. You might need to have $20,000, ready to go and willing to spend every dollar to find your first deal. Um, if you're going to go with the marketing route versus things like door knocking or, or things like that, where you kind of find a distressed property and go see if the owner's looking to sell. Um, but everything works. You just have to do it at a really large volume and, and get really good at how you talk to people. When you, when you deal with, uh, you know, that's, scaling that how do you deal with the inquiries that come in who who deals with that? is that you directly or is it uh is it a team of people how, how does that typically look like yeah so at first i did all of it uh like i did all the seller communication myself but i have a full-time career it's a very good career uh that i don't plan on leaving anytime soon so i do have limited time so it was like fairly quickly realized that if i wanted to blow this up i couldn't do it alone uh, like I mentioned before, partnered up with Austin Ye, who's an amazing young investor. He's been on your show. Um, yeah. But I par partnered with him. He took over the operational side of things. So I didn't have to do anything but actually get the properties under contract. And then it was, okay, now I'm going to hire people and I'm going to teach them how to do what I do. And I've got, you know, close to 15 years of sales experience um, leading, you know, semi-large sales organizations at tech companies and things like that. So I'm pretty good at how to build a sales team, how to establish a culture, um, training, negotiation, all that stuff. So now I don't really take any seller calls. Um, I go in if there's like a high leverage situation that we need a favorable outcome on, uh, you know, like a neighbor who might be suing in a flip situation or something like that, then that's like where I'll step in and I'm the one who's going to have that conversation. Um, but it's been good in terms of being able to offload a lot of stuff. I think if you want to build a business, you basically have to kind of master something or close to mastery anyways. And then hand that off to somebody else. And then you're like, okay, what's the next thing in the business that we need to do that can help us scale? Okay, figure it out, hand it off to somebody else. And that's kind of the process that, that I've been going through for the last maybe nine months since we really started doing this as a, as a proper business. Awesome. So is that um, somewhere in that conversation was the Ontario property deals? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, right? so that's, that? yeah. So Ontario property deals, that's our, um, that's our company that sells deals to other investors. Um, so, you know, we probably, at this point, I think we're probably sending out seven or eight deals a month, which is kind of crazy because getting your first deal just seems so, uh, so daunting. Um, but 
people can go to our website. They can sign up to our buyers list. We sell properties all over Ontario. Uh, we do a lot of stuff in Northern Ontario, like Sudbury North Bay, because uh, that's a favorable entry point for a lot of investors where you can buy a duplex for, you know, a couple hundred thousand or, or a little bit over, um, you know, prices that someone could get in Windsor a couple of years ago that, you know, you're just not getting anymore. So we do a lot of stuff up there, uh, but we have reps in individual territory, Southwestern Ontario, Durham, Peterborough area. Uh, and we've got someone in the Barry Innisfil type area. So we have deals all over um, and we do, a you know, we do as, as good a job as anybody, I think, in terms of uh, giving as much detail on the property as possible and, and making sure the transactions run smoothly, which, you know, wholesale deals do have some complications. Sometimes you're dealing with unreliable people, uh, and, and the, the sellers specifically, um, the buyers can be troubling or troublesome at times as well, but, um, we kind of manage the whole process and we educate pretty, pretty well, our clients on, on how everything's going to go. So, um, it's been going good. I think we're building a pretty good brand with it, uh, and, uh, getting some repeat business as well. Yeah, that's impressive. So how many people would you say you have handling the caller leads? Uh, we have four currently. Um, and I think that we can scale pretty big with four people just in terms of getting them once they are better at what they do, the, their conversion rates are going to go up and we're going to feel more confident spending more money per month on marketing for them. So there are four mm -hmm. people who are full time, but then Austin for us runs our bird dog program. So we educate people who want to get into real estate investing, want to get into wholesaling, but they don't really know how. And to be honest, it is really hard. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty experienced in sales. Uh, and had quite a lot of real estate knowledge by the time I started. Um, it's really tough to do without support, uh, but we've had several bird dogs be really successful with us who've made it up over six figures so far in fees working with us for like less than six months. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily um, people who are making that in another career, right? They're, they're making a lot more money, just working kind of part-time, you know, scoping out properties for us uh, and getting great deals under contract. Uh, the site you mentioned, there's a website for people to go to. What, what's the website? If someone, I'm just, I know there's people yeah. out there that are going to want to know how to find these deals. How, <laughs> how do they access Yeah. That? So it's, uh, uh, Ontario property deals.ca. And there's just there, you can enter your information, the types of deals you're interested in, whether or not you're interested in private lending and that sort of thing. Uh, if people are interested in private lending, we do offer, uh, pretty good returns when we do that, or the people that have worked with us at least have got really good returns. Um, but primarily you're just signing up to, to get access to deals. If you do want to lend, we're open to that as well. Um, but for us, it's mostly about trying to build that business up and, and helping other investors build their portfolios as well. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations on the success there too, because that's not an easy thing to do. Well, I shouldn't say it, it's like you said, it's intimidating, especially when you start out, right? So you you go in and like you said, these people who don't have all the experience, they might, uh, they might not know what to say to a seller when they get in there. So um, it's just really interesting how you're taking all these people and giving them a, an education in, uh, in real estate investing. And they're going to be able to build their wealth over time too. And, and, uh, and, and maybe even be able to follow in your footsteps. Right. Yeah. That's the idea. Like we want everybody who works for us to get the same sort of freedom through real estate that we're, after ourselves, I think, um, you don't want to be at the top by yourself. Um, and I think just as you get older, the impact that you have on others becomes more important And like becoming really successful in real estate is a personal goal, but it's also a personal goal to help other people. I know either already friends, family, uh, to achieve those things, but also people I don't know who just have hustle, you know, people who, who want to go after it. And I really respect that. And we want to, 
We want to give them the tools to be successful. So you can bird dog for us, make a bunch of money and then use those same skills that you learn to, you know, and the money that you earn to close on your first rental property. So one of our bird dogs, he, uh, he closed on his uh, sixplex not too long ago. Um, and I imagine that some of the nice fees he's been making through bird dogging were a big part of that. Um, and obviously he found the deal using the same strategy. So uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh, and to have that much impact on people is just really, you know, it's rewarding. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations on all that, by the way. So where do you see your business going now in the next, let's say, let's just talk the next year. The next year. So I think like we kind of view our wholesaling business in part as an acquisitions for our, ourselves as well. So we do want to do more flips. Um, I don't have a number on it, but we do want to do some. We'll probably do them on properties that don't sell. Um, but we want to acquire 100 units next year is kind of the goal. Um, in order to do that, we're going to have to wholesale quite a few properties so that we've got enough capital. Um, we're going to have to take on more investors and in some cases, JV partners. But the goal would be, you know, maybe do 100 deals next year through wholesaling and then pick up 100 units. And I think, um, you know, if we do that for a few years, like that's pretty considerable uh, business scale that we'll have. Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe at that point, I'll be interested in something else and you tend to get bored of things. But like right now, it's just like, let's see, let's see if we can blow it up. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Cool. And all the best on that. Um, Thanks, Rob. <laughs> la last thing we're going to get to before we, uh, before we ask how people can get in touch with you and you can leave all your info for us as well. Cause I'm sure there's people that are definitely going to want to hear the best ways to get in touch with you. What motivates all of this? Like what are your personal goals in your life? What are you trying to get to? Yeah. Well, I think I, one of the things I mentioned before is like, I want to have a nice house. I don't want to have to leave Toronto. Like I love the city. I think that everybody kind of resigns themselves to the fact that you just can't afford it. Um, and I, I just don't ascribe to that way of thinking. I think that other people have figured it out. Other people can afford to buy those houses. So I want to figure out how I can buy those houses. So I want to, you know, I want to have nice property here. I want to have a nice vacation home in Canada, like, you know, Muskoka. I already have one, but it's not quite what I want. That's more of a rental. Um, and then like someplace out of country, I want to be able to travel. So I'm inspired by trying to live like a life that to me is just full of always doing awesome stuff where you're just like, I'm excited about what I get to do today. Um, so that's kind of the, I think the big thing. And then just having that ability to only do whatever I want, you know, like um, I want, I love my career, um, you know, working in tech sales and being able to have an impact on, on salespeople and help them achieve their goals. It's really rewarding. But if I decide, you know what, I'm bored of this. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to not worry about the fact that I'm giving up a big salary and just be like, whatever, I've got all these other logs in the fire and real estate and I only do what I want. Maybe I just do luxury flips now because I'm really into design uh, and that sort of thing. So a lot of it's motivated by that sort of freedom to, to do things. I don't think I'm overly materialistic. Like I'm not, I don't want a bunch of possessions, but I just want nice places to be. I don't want to be able to like, if I could have those places and be like, yeah, family, like come over and like, we're just going to have a catered thing or whatever, because you've done well enough that you're just, you're able to kind of elevate the lifestyle of people around you as well. Um, yeah, help them enjoy it, and and which in which in turn you know helps you enjoy your life. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and you mentioned this right at the top of the show that it was. You said you said you've been listening to the show for a while. It's your first time on, so we're going to take this opportunity to say that there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't get to here, and uh, we we'd love to talk to you in the future. I'm sure we will be. So uh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Hopefully, in a year, I've got entirely new things to talk about. Everything I said today will be old news. Um, that that's what my hope is, but yeah, it'd be amazing to come back in a, in a year or two and, and talk about what we've been able to accomplish since then. Yeah. You go buy a hundred uh, units or sell a hundred wholesale deals or something like that next year. There'll be a lot of lessons <laughs> learned. I'm sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, which would be great to catch up again. Uh, yeah. So up, how is it that people would be best to get in touch with you? So I think the best ways are probably Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, you know, if you're more of a white collar worker, I'm on LinkedIn. There's a bit less noise on LinkedIn. Um, so happy to connect with people on there. And then Instagram, just, you know, request a connection. I've got an open profile. Uh, shoot me a message. I do try to get back to people. It might be just to tell you to go listen to a podcast if you're asking me about something. Um, but I do try to get back to people. I think it's important because um, I was fortunate that, that people got back to me early on and uh, gave me the time of day. So I try to do the same for others. Mm -hmm. And what's the uh, cool. Instagram handle? Oh, Waylon McGill. Just Waylon at Waylon McGill. W-A-Y-L-O-N-M-C-G-I-L-L. -L. Nailed there you it. Go. Well, all <laughs> that is going to be in the show notes too. So people that uh, aren't able to uh, stop, write it down or whatever right now can just click on into the show notes on the website and they'll be able to get in uh, contact with you right away. Well, again, uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks so much for sharing all this. And uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, 289-389-6846 or Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. And people can reach me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Well, thanks guys for listening. Again, you have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful September month or whatever it is that you're listening to this. And it might not be September, but uh, whatever month it is, have yourself a wonderful month and we'll see you next time.